Good evening, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Tectonic. My name is Mark Hurst. I'll be your host for the next hour here on WFMU, Freeform Station of the Nation, live from downtown Jersey City in the great state of New Jersey. Thanks for being with me. It's great to be back. I was out last week, had a trip to Pittsburgh, PA, of all places, and I had a nice time. Pittsburgh is a nice place. And uh, station manager Ken Friedman did a great job guest hosting Tectonic last week. Thanks, Ken, for doing that. And uh, Ken is going to be back. He's scheduled to be back as guest host again on July 17. So you'll want to stay tuned for that. Ken always does a great job when he uh, hosts Tectonic. He always has interesting topics and, and guests. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to mention is that we're now in the summer schedule at WFMU, and uh, Tectonic is, uh, I'm very happy to report, as you, as you can tell since I'm here, that uh, the show is part of the summer schedule. And I always say this, uh, almost always probably, but I try to say it whenever there's a new schedule that I'm a part of, just to say what a uh, privilege it is to be part of this radio station community. It really is a, is a great honor for me to uh, to have a, a slot on the schedule and to bring you this show every week, which which I love. I love doing. I love putting putting together for you. And uh, and I'm here through. I think the schedule goes through the uh, the second uh, Monday in September. So looking forward to a summer of some some fun and interesting topics. Uh, let's get started. Uh, the topic for this my first summer schedule. Uh, show is internet addiction. And I've got a great, great interview for you. In fact, I know I always say this. It's a great interview. And I always think it is great. (laughs) I'm biased, though. But let me tell you something that I think um, to try to reach beyond my own bias in favor of this show, let me say that for somebody out there, or maybe more than one person out there, uh, I'm I'm pretty sure there's, there's at least one person out there for whom this show tonight is going to be a life-changing event. And I say this without hyperbole or, or um, exaggeration. I, I really mean this literally that this interview is going to change the life for the better of somebody out there, maybe, maybe more than one. And uh, maybe, it's, maybe it's not someone listening right now, but maybe it's, maybe it's someone who you know who you're going to send a link to this interview afterwards, um, because here's here's the deal. Uh, you've heard of twelve-step programs. I'm sure you've heard of twelve-step programs like Alcoholics Anonymous, and I know there are others out there. But but Alcoholics Anonymous, uh, also known as AA, is probably the best known, and they take alcoholics through twelve steps towards recovery of regaining their lives. Uh, after uh, often suffering terribly under under an addiction to alcohol, and there are other twelve step programs that uh, cover addiction to other substances, and I don't I don't know all of the uh, the whole range of the twelve step programs, but there is another twelve step program you're going to learn about in the interview this evening uh, that deals with internet addiction, and this is the ITAA. Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous. And the, you'll hear my guest uh, this evening, J.D., is going to talk about, well, well, she'll talk about her story, but also a little bit about the history of this organization. You'll hear it's only a few years old. But I just want to preface this by saying, um, if you know, if, if, if you yourself are suffering from addiction to any kind of digital technology, could be watching streaming videos, it could be playing video games, or it could be playing a specific video game, or it could be checking social media, or it could be anything. A lot of these platforms are designed for addiction. Uh, there is hope. <laughs> there is help available to you. And if you know someone, if you're not an addict, but if you know someone, a friend or family member, colleague, maybe a neighbor or a neighbor's kid uh, that's, that's having trouble, um, 
send them a link to this show. And, uh, and by the way, you can find this show. If you're listening in the future, you can find this show. You can go to WFMU.org and find the archives. Or you can go to tectonic.fm. This is a one-page website where I post my episodes. T-E-C-H tonic.fm. And find the show for June 12, 2023. And you can send them the link to the playlist or the other links that I'll post there. Send the links out. Um, and, uh, and, and let's, let's get help to the people who need it because there are these, there are people who are suffering and they are, uh, well deserving of, of love and care to, to get towards, to move towards recovery. We're going to hear more about this, uh, with my interview with JD, uh, in a moment. If you want to join in the live listener chat, go to WFMU.org. Click playlists and comments or find that tectonic.fm link. If you're listening in the future, click the playlist and you can see the comments that people posted in the past. Let's go ahead and listen now to my interview with JD talking about the ITAA, Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous, here on Tectonic on WFMU. JD, welcome to Tectonic. Hey, thank you for having me. It's great to have you on the show, Jay. I am so interested to talk to you about a group that you are a member of called ITAA. This is Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous. This is at internetaddictsanonymous.org. And from the site, I'm just reading off, it says ITAA is a 12-step fellowship of individuals who support each other in recovering from internet and technology addiction. So I appreciate you coming on the show to share your experience with the group. Yeah, thank you so much, Mark. Uh, I really appreciate getting a chance to, to speak with you. Now, for starters, Jay, where roughly geographically are you based? Um, I'm based in New York City. Okay, so you're... You're a member of ITAA here in New York City, and your fellow ITAA members, I'm guessing, are from all over, right? They're, it's not just a New York-based organization. Yes, that's correct. Um, it's it's an international organization. We have members from across the world. I believe over 80 countries are represented in wow. um, ITAA. And there are um, multiple uh, meetings in uh, different languages, not just in English, but in Hebrew, Arabic, Spanish, French, Italian. Uh, yeah, so it's it really is um, an international community, and uh, we primarily meet online and connect with each other around the world. You mostly meet online in Zoom. Are you using Zoom or, or other tools for that? That's right. We connect over Zoom for online meetings, and we also connect with um, each other member to member through uh, phone calls, email, text. Do you also have in-person meetings? Yes. About 25% of our meetings are in-person, and they're at uh, different locations around the world, and we have an in-person meeting here in New York City. Now, you're a member of ITAA. Is there a founder? Do we know the founding story of the organization? Sure. So ITAA was founded in 2017 by a group of people who had come from uh, a different fellowship. They found a common problem in their internet and technology usage, and they began to have meetings uh, over the phone exploring recovery from internet and technology addiction specifically. And that was in 2017. So it's a relatively new group. The site mentions that the ITAA draws on the 12 steps of Alcoholics Anonymous. On the AA site, they're listed as the 12 traditions. But either way, the 12 steps of ITAA closely match those of, of AA, right? This is correct, yes. Um, we have the 12 steps and also the 12 traditions of ITAA that were adapted from the original 12 steps and 12 traditions of AA. Oh, so is there a difference between the 12 steps and the 12 traditions? Yes, there is. Oh, um, okay. Yes. Um, there's also the 12 concepts. 
but the the 12 steps are a guideline for uh, recovering from addiction. It's a method of applying tools of recovery uh, in order to seek relief from addictive behavior. And 12 traditions are a way of guiding the fellowship as a whole. As for the types of addiction, again, just reading off of the ITAA site, uh, it says this includes addiction to social media, smartphones, streaming video or audio content, games, by which I think it means video games, news, pornography, dating apps, online research, online shopping, or any other digital activity that becomes compulsive and problematic. So ITAA is engaging people on addiction to a wide variety of activities, but the unifying factor is that they all exist online, right? Via smartphones or uh, computers. Yes, this is correct. Um, the, the addictive behavior can manifest in many different ways, and it's um, highly personal and case by case for, for each individual. And so um, while everyone has their own uh, relationship to their addiction to internet and technology, we can all share in that common experience, regardless of whether it's due to social media or online video streaming, reading the news compulsively. All of these things can be outlets for um, acting out in a, an addiction to IT. Now on the ITAA site, which is really well designed, by the way, it's very clear and easy to navigate. Uh, there's a section that includes a series of what I guess I would call testimonials from members. Some of them are written and some of them are audio recordings of the members uh, telling their stories. One of the audio recordings that I listened to was from a member named Tomas who gave a testimonial that was titled The Degenerate World, which I found fascinating. And in fact, I'm going to include links to the ITAA website on the playlist, but I'll try to remember to put a link to Tomas's testimonial file as well, because if people really want to dive in, this would be a good place to, to start to learn about ITAA. Tomas is telling his story of how he developed an addiction to some of these activities that we just listed, these online activities. And in the early phases of his trying to address his addiction, he talks about going to a therapist and describing his problem. And the therapist says, essentially, there's no such thing as internet addiction. So you probably just need to relax a little bit. I'm paraphrasing here. But it seemed to me from Tomas's story that there might be some misunderstanding out there about internet and technology addiction as to whether it even exists, whether it's even a real thing. Um, and granted, ITAA is very new. You said it's, it's only six years old. But have you heard stories or have you experienced this yourself, Jay, coming up against people, whether they're professionals or otherwise, wondering whether internet and technology addiction actually exists? Yes, absolutely. And actually, that, that very dynamic of being told by a therapist that the problem wasn't as significant as was being communicated is actually, I've heard that from many members, and I've experienced that myself. I experienced for years being very clear to my therapists that I had a screen addiction and that it wasn't being taken seriously. And I, I used those exact words, and, and I was right. It was not taken seriously. I was not directed to any um, addiction recovery services or uh, addiction treatment services. And I think it also did really occur to me that addiction treatment services would be relevant to the problem that I was experiencing. Uh, I think that I was experiencing a bit of a of confusion because I wasn't physically ingesting something. I wasn't injecting anything. So it didn't occur to me to seek addiction treatment services because I figured that it wouldn't apply to me because my addiction was to screens. And I, I didn't really encounter anyone else who seemed to be struggling with something similar to such an extent. And so I, I felt that it was um, a problem I just had to figure out and address by myself. 
and I attempted this for many years. And how long have you been a member of ITAA? I've been a member for um, a little over eight months. I joined in September of 2022. And do you want to say more about how your addiction started and how you found your way to ITAA? Yeah, I'm happy to. Um, I think my compulsive use of screens was established at a pretty young age. I uh, experienced a fair amount of trauma early in childhood. My uh, childhood home was an unstable and unsafe environment. There was hard drug use and alcohol abuse, as well as fighting. And I think as a, as a child, I instinctively moved towards uh, whatever I could find that seemed to provide the most stability and safety and consistency in my environment. And that was what I could find in screens. So television, video games, and the internet. And I can definitely recall my use of screens, video games, the internet, having a, a negative impact on my ability to socialize and my ability to follow through on academic requirements as early as third or fourth grade. And I think that the shame and isolation that I was experiencing in my home life, compounded by using screens compulsively to avoid these uncomfortable feelings, created a kind of perfect feedback loop where I was isolated from kids my age, I was avoiding academic expectations, and I was frequently using screens in order to avoid the discomfort of my lived reality. And these, I think, just created, yeah, a cycle that perpetuated itself throughout my school career and then into adulthood. At that point, you reach adulthood. Is that when you sought help with therapists, as you were talking about before? Yeah, exactly. So it was about when I was completing my undergraduate degree, I started to clue into the fact that there was a problem, that it wasn't just a matter of me being lazy or irresponsible or flaky that was contributing to um, my struggle to follow through on tasks, complete tasks, not isolate myself. Because as I was completing my undergraduate degree, I recognized that I was actually very motivated and very determined, and I was putting in a lot of time and energy, and yet I was not seeing a return of that energy reflected in the work I was able to produce. I, I recognized that I was barely scraping by. I was barely able to meet uh, the expectations that were placed on me academically, and I was not meeting the expectations I was placing on myself. And I realized that there was something wrong because it wasn't through a lack of effort. It wasn't because I didn't care and I wasn't trying. And what was happening was that I was um, losing a lot of my time and energy to compulsive use of screens and compulsive use of the internet, uh, particularly if I had uh, significant deadlines or if I was anxious about something or if there was some kind of an emotional disturbance I was experiencing, this would trigger a cycle of binging on the internet and on online media, such as streaming video or music and compulsively looking at content online. And this is where the majority of my time and energy was going. And then in the cracks between my compulsive use is when I was getting to the rest of my work my academic work and my jobs or um, connecting with friends. This all occurred around my compulsive use of technology. And then how did you hear about ITAA? Um, it, unfortunately, it wasn't until much, much later. So I identified that I had this problem and I just set to work trying to control it myself. And I would do this in different ways. There are 
apps to block certain websites or to block your computer entirely. And I would try these, but invariably I would find a workaround and just ignore the blockers that I had installed. I would try to lock my phone or computer with um, a password that only a close friend would have and I wouldn't have the code. But then invariably I would just rationalize a reason why I would need to get the code from the other person so that I could get back into my devices and use them. I would write notes to myself, just physical letters to myself that would say, I don't want to use this screen. I don't want to use the internet. And I would put my computer away with the note on top of it to try to ward off any use that was outside of my control. And again, I would always rationalize a reason for me to use the computer or my phone, and then it would start right back up again. And I was in therapy all this time. And eventually in therapy, I really was identifying the problem and saying I have a screen addiction, but articulating it didn't seem to produce any kind of response from the mental health care services that I was receiving. It was just listened to, and then we just kind of moved on. Things really just got more and more bleak. Addiction is understood to be a progressive illness. So the longer it persists, the worse it becomes. And it took me about 10 years after realizing there was a problem to finally reach what is generally considered to be a rock bottom experience. So I had, this was in 2021, I had just begun a graduate program and I moved to New York City and my life rapidly deteriorated from that point. I was very isolated. I was pretty much constantly using social media and online video streaming as a way to cope because I felt that my life had become totally unmanageable. And I was aware that I had no control over my usage. It had gotten to a point that it was terrifying. I was experiencing using screens and watching video content that I didn't even want to consume. And I would be thinking the thought, please stop, please stop, while I was actively using. And I would just be begging with myself in my own head, please stop doing this, because I was using screens to the exclusion of taking care of basic needs. So Instead of eating food, instead of drinking water, instead of sleeping, I would instead just be constantly on my laptop or on my phone. And I was experiencing significant body pain from the prolonged episodes of binging. I had very intense neck and upper back pain that would basically trigger panic attacks because it was so intense. And it was being caused by the fact that I was in this frozen position for hours and hours throughout the day and, and through the night, just using without the ability to stop. So it had really gotten to a point where I felt imprisoned in my own body. And it was deeply frightening. And I had reached a point where it seemed to me that my life was unsalvageable at that point because the way I was spending my time and my energy was not aligned with whatever intention I had for the day and whatever long-term goals I had. And I was feeling extremely frozen in that state and very hopeless about any prospect of being able to really meaningfully pursue the things that mattered to me because every day it wasn't up to me whether or not that day would be spent towards something I found meaningful or if that day would instead be another day that 
would disappear into my addictive internet behavior. And we're back. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. My name is Mark Hurst. I am your host, and we are halfway through my interview with J.D., a member of the ITAA, Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous. There's a good discussion going on on the comment board right now. We're talking about addiction and various recovery programs. If you'd like to join in, go to WFMU.org and click Playlist and Comments. Let's go ahead and listen to the second half of my interview now with Jay speaking about her recovery and the role that the ITAA has played in that recovery here on Tectonic on WFMU. One thing I notice in your story that echoed something that Tomas said in his is that when the addiction first presented itself, you tried to respond by using willpower, like you said, writing notes to yourself or making resolutions that tomorrow is going to be different. And eventually you come to the realization that this is not a lack of willpower. The addiction is not a moral failing. It's a disease, something that Tomas said, he said, addiction is not something you can will yourself out of any more than you can will yourself out of cancer. It's just a disease that needs external help. And it sounds like when you hit the, as you called it, the rock bottom experience, was that the moment when you reached out for help? Yeah. What you were saying was exactly my experience where I realized that it wasn't through a lack of willpower that I was not able to control my screen usage. I realized that it was outside of my control and that whatever it was, the problem that I was experiencing could not be solved by my own power. And I had lost a lot of hope at that point because I had trouble imagining that there could be a specific resource that would be applicable to what I was experiencing. I didn't know that ITAA existed and I didn't know that what I was experiencing was uh, something that would be benefited by actual addiction treatment services. I remember being aware that there was maybe something, like I remember hearing stories of people with internet gaming addiction and uh, that there are rehab facilities for the express purpose of recovery from internet gaming. So I knew that something like that existed and I was apprehensive about potentially reaching out to maybe family who might be able to financially support my pursuit of a rehab facility. I didn't know what they would make of uh, me coming to them and explaining to them that I believed that I had a screen addiction and that I needed uh, a rehab facility. So I was reluctant to pursue that and I didn't know that there were other options available. But by some stroke of luck, I did one day just kind of wake up and I think I searched for screen addiction support group because I I reasoned I was in New York City and if such a thing existed, it was going to be here in New York. And sure enough, the first result that came up was Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous. And I looked at the website and I saw that they were having the in-person New York City meeting that day in a couple hours. And I thought, okay, cool. Uh, I'll go see what this is about. And at the time, I had no clue that I was about to completely transform my life. I had gotten to such a point of intense despair and hopelessness about my life in general that I didn't realize the extent to which my active addiction was driving all of those intense feelings of despair, hopelessness, anxiety, and isolation. I thought that my brain was just naturally broken 
and that a result of my naturally impaired brain was that I couldn't control my tech usage. But once I began attending ITAA meetings and abstaining from my compulsive tech use, all of those problems radically diminished, if not disappeared completely. And I was able to realize that all those things I was experiencing that was making my life such a struggle, the, the inability to focus, the poor memory, the inability to regulate my mood, feelings of, of isolation, all of these things are symptoms of an active addiction. And I didn't understand that. I didn't realize that that's what I'd been experiencing and that's what I'd been living with for the past two plus decades. Yeah. And that transformation has all taken place in the last seven months, right? Correct. So it sounds like your involvement with ITAA has been a huge help, and it took place rather quickly. Yeah. No, the the transformation I've experienced in such a short amount of time has really been astonishing. I, I think I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I have a completely different life. The quality of life I experience now is something I've never had. I didn't think that such a transformation of my life and my lived experience was possible. And it's still something that I am just shocked by every day when I stop for a moment and reflect on it. Yeah. I'm so glad that you have experienced that transformation. That says a lot about ITAA and says a lot about you and your commitment as well. I know that the 12 steps, 12 traditions, what was the other 12? Uh, the 12 concepts. Concepts. <laughs> All of those are helpful in, in the journey. Are, are there any of the 12 steps that you found particularly helpful or insightful or challenging or any of them you'd, you'd want to bring up? Yeah, great question. Um, I mean, all of them are extremely powerful. And I think all the 12 steps have the capacity to spark radical transformation. I didn't know anything about 12-step programs prior to joining ITAA. So this is my first experience working the steps in recovery. At first, I think I thought the 12 steps might be a sort of sequential process that you work through from 1 to 12, and then it's completed. However, I have come to understand that the 12 steps are actually guidelines that can have daily relevance as someone who's navigating recovery. So for instance, I practice meditation and journaling every morning, which is part of my step 11 practice. Step 11 is uh, that we seek through practices such as prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with the power greater than ourselves. And I practice this every morning before I start my day. And I've found it to be uh, an extremely grounding foundation that I can then carry with me through the rest of the day as I um, navigate any sort of hurdles or setbacks or unexpected things that might arise. I wanted to ask on a slightly different tack about the technologies that you and other ITAA members have experienced problems with. I mean, I read the list of types of internet and technology platforms and modes of usage that people suffer addiction from. There's many, many different platforms and apps and websites and companies out there. One of the things that I found interesting in the ITAA language is that the organization does not condone or condemn any particular tool or website. Is that right, that there's no judgment one way or the other on any of these tools that are out there? Yes, that's correct. The reason I ask is because this is topical to a bunch of past shows that I've done, Jay, talking about the explicit intent on the part of a lot of these companies to create addictive products. For example, in social media, there are these feedback loops specifically designed 
to get users hooked as they get badges or likes or whatever the various markers are in the design of these screen-based interfaces. And inside these companies, there are designers and psychologists and data analysts all working together to, again, explicitly with the intent to make their tools as habit-forming and addicting as possible. I find it interesting that ITAA, which is helping people recover from these addictions that were built for profit by these companies, ITAA makes no judgment against these companies. Do you know why ITAA is so neutral or or am I being too harsh in my my own condemnation of these companies? Yeah, thank you, Mark. I think that you raise a really important concern. Personally, I do agree that I have observed and experienced firsthand the extremely damaging effects of the ways that these applications and internet streaming platforms have been engineered to be addictive. The position of neutrality held by ITAA is very common amongst 12-step programs, and it follows in the tradition of AA to uphold neutrality and to not be involved in outside interests, to not be aligned with any political agenda or have any religious affiliation. And the reason for this is that our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive use of internet and technology and help others find freedom from that addiction. It is important in the process of recovery that we can maintain spaces of anonymity and neutrality so that members feel free to share openly and vulnerably with one another because this is very central to the process of recovery from addiction. So it's necessary that we not bring into these spaces any sort of outside interest or political agenda because this can detract from our central focus, which is to help people recover from addiction. I will say, I think personally, I am far more effective now in my life as as a citizen, as um, a politically active individual, now that I'm experiencing recovery from a very debilitating addiction that was taking up a significant amount of my emotional and mental bandwidth. So uh, I think recovery is an asset to those who, who are then going to turn around and invest their time and energy into the political concerns and causes that most affect and concern them. Right. And just in terms of the politics around these technology companies, again, to the topic of, of this radio show, I hope that there is at some point a a groundswell of action against the companies that are working every day to create addictive products at a scale that, I mean, if we think about alcohol and tobacco, I don't know, other other addictive products, they've never had the scale that this handful of companies have achieved in the last 10 or 20 years. Four or five companies are affecting the lives of billions and billions of people around the world every day, and many of their products are designed for addiction. It's enraging to hear stories like yours and to just imagine how that kind of suffering is being experienced all over the world and how many people don't know about ITAA or resources like that and are are suffering alone because of the intentional growth at all costs, business models of these companies. They're deeply unethical organizations. I can only hope that from places like ITAA, there's there's going to be some leadership that emerges, again, outside of the organization, not branded as an ITAA project, but maybe some of the individuals will get involved in, in doing something about these companies. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm fully with you. I, I completely agree. As an individual, I'm fully on board with identifying the 
this very serious problem that is really unprecedented in the history of our of our species. What would you say, Jay, to listeners who are wondering about their own technology use or maybe the use of their family members or even their kids? Do you have any suggestions for what people should do to to try to have a, a healthier relationship to internet and, and technology and these sorts of devices? Yeah, I can say that whoever's listening right now, if you feel that you've been struggling to control your internet or technology use, if you feel you've been struggling to control the use of your phone or your laptop or streaming video, just know that you are not alone and you don't have to try to figure this out or solve this problem on your own. There is help available. Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous is free and available to all who need it. We have our website, internetaddictsanonymous.org. And on our website, you can find our resources and we hold meetings. Daily meetings are available online and we have meetings around the world in person. Recovery is possible and a different life is possible. Well, Jay, I really appreciate you sharing your story and being open with us here on Tectonic. I think this is going to be really helpful for anybody who has these questions on behalf of themselves or a friend or family member. And I just want to say congratulations on your recovery up to this point, and I wish you the best as you continue. Yes, thank you so much for having me, Mark. just tuning in, you're listening to Tectonic on WFMU. My name is Mark Hurst, and I will be your host for the remaining 15 minutes of the show, and then the great Dave Mandel is going to come on board with his prog rock show called It's Complicated. Hope you'll stay tuned for that. We just heard my interview with J.D., a member of the ITAA, Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous. And as Jay mentioned, the website for the ITAA is internetaddictsanonymous.org. And if you go to the playlist for this evening's show, you will see a link to the ITAA website on the playlist. And there's a link also to the Recovery Stories page on the ITAA site including a link to that that one particular story that I referenced a couple of times uh, by someone named Tomas. And it's, a, uh, it's, it's titled, on the Recovery Stories page, it's titled The Degenerate World. And if you listen to it, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty intense and it's sort of long. I think it goes over an hour, but I, I was interested to listen to that entire file. And as you listen to it, uh, Tomas explains in his story why, uh, wh- where that phrase comes from, the degenerate world. It makes sense if you listen to it. And that's worth, if you're interested in hearing more stories of recovery, that's a really good one. Um, and again, if you want to go to the playlist to find those links to Tomas's story and the ITAA website, Go to WFMU.org or go to Tectonic.fm, T-E-C-H, Tonic.fm, and find the June 12, 2023 show, and the links are there, as well as comments from listeners this evening. Thanks for the good discussion. There's um, a, lot of, a lot of really good and thoughtful comments tonight, so they're, they're worth reading, and some pointers to other organizations and other approaches. I think it's all good. Um, you know, whatever... In my opinion, my my two cents, whatever works, whatever works, whatever creates the outcome that makes people healthier, that's what you should do, in my opinion. And as I said to Jay, I'm so glad that uh, in her case, ITAA seems to have made a huge change from uh, hitting, as she called it, rock bottom and feeling hopeless about life to what it sounds to me like she's she's 
regained her life uh, because of that organization. So I'm, I'm glad to learn about it and uh, glad that it's working for her and others. And again, if you're having issues or you know someone who's having issues and you think this might help them, please give it a, give it a shot. Um, what else can I say about addiction? I just wanted to point to a couple of past shows. If again, and I've put, I've put these links both in the comments section, but if you're interested in, in a, another deep dive within uh, tectonics resources, I've done at least two shows on addiction in the past. Uh, one of them is the April 16, 2018 uh, tectonic episode with Catherine Price, who wrote a book called How to Break Up with Your Phone. And it's a short book. It's a helpful book that says just what the title says. It's a set of tips and uh, suggestions for how to limit your phone use. Granted, it's, it's five years old, but I think those tips are pretty evergreen and they're they're widely applicable, applicable to other devices as well. The other show that I want to spotlight that I did on addiction was from February 3rd, 2020. This was with an author named David Courtright, who wrote a book called The Age of Addiction, How Bad Habits Became Big Business. This is a great book. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm surprised that, that Courtright's book, The Age of Addiction, is not better known because everyone I've told about it outside of the show, no one's ever heard of it. And it was really good. It talks about how an increasing percentage of the American economy over the last, I don't know, 30 or 50 years, something like that, he does a, he does a pretty good survey of the economy. And a greater and greater percentage of the economy is being handed over to industries that only produce addiction. I mean, maybe they, they produce some other outcomes as well, but they, they grow on the basis of addiction. For example, tobacco um, is, 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 is an addictive industry, the tobacco industry we've heard about. Um, gambling, especially slot machines, there's more and more uh, growth in that area that is explicitly designed for addiction. And of course, now we're seeing that Silicon Valley has adopted the practices of both the tobacco industry and slot machine design in creating things like social media platforms and uh, dark pattern designs like the autoplay on YouTube and, and so on and so forth. I don't need to list all of them, but I'm just saying that what David Courtright pointed out is that historically the economy has always had some uh, addictive substances making profit. And, you know, that's, I guess, a fact of life. But what his point is that that percentage has been growing quite a bit as we have devoted more and more of our resources, our economic resources, to building addictive products, services, and platforms. And that's concerning. So when you, when you look out at the, at, the, at the society and you look at how many people probably are genuinely addicted to their devices, their uh, social media accounts, their video games, and so on, this is by design. This is... This is a profit-making enterprise for Silicon Valley companies who have, once again, who have explicitly studied the design lessons of slot machines in Las Vegas in order to get people what they call hooked. And what they mean is addicted. And that's another point of contention, by the way. The tech bros, when you talk to them, they'll say, they'll say, we're not trying to addict anyone. We're simply trying to habit form. Sorry, I can't say that with a straight face. Somehow they're able to, though. We're not trying to addict anyone. By the way, addiction is a clinical term that has these following characteristics, and, and the, the uh, mobile app that we're coming up with is not addictive. You know, it's not heroin. I've heard this before. It's not heroin. You know, uh, we're, we're just trying to form some habits, habits of usage. That's all. And they're, they're really they're really splitting hairs to try to rationalize the work that they're doing that's based on addictive platforms, like I say, like, uh, like uh, tobacco or, or slot machines. And, and they just, 
they, they had to compartmentalize because there's no way they would be able to function professionally if they faced up to the truth that what they're doing is creating addiction. They are finding ways, finding new hooks to hook into the users to create more addiction. Can you imagine? Can you, and some of these guys work how many hours a week? 60, 70, 80? I don't know. They're, they're famous workaholics at Silicon Valley. Can you imagine spending your life all the hours of your day outside of sleeping, creating addiction for profit. What kind of a professional life is that? I mean, that's just shameful. I, I, I don't understand how people can keep doing I guess I do understand. They compartmentalize, they rationalize, they put on the blinders. It's not addiction. It's not addiction, dude. It's just habit formation. Yeah, whatever. So, um, Another, another good perspective comes from our very own Wendy Del Formaggio on the comment board, uh, who just finished her, her show, Wreck Your Own Adventure, on the Give the Drummer Stream uh, alternate stream. So thanks for joining us this evening, Wendy. Wendy writes, I think it's helpful to remember the difference between, quote, thing you really like doing and do a lot, and, quote, thing you can't stop doing without physical or psychic pain, and it's interfering with your functioning. And I think that's a really well-written, re really important distinction. Here, when I talk about addiction and the things that the Silicon Valley tech pros are doing, they're not creating something that creates joy that someone's looking forward to at the end of the day. No, they're creating addiction. Other people on the comment board were joking around. They're saying, I think I'm addicted to WFMU. That's obviously <laughs> different. Uh, that's something that we look forward to. Uh, we like listening to WFMU. We like being on the comment board, but I have not seen any data or I've not made any observation that suggests that anyone is actually addicted to WFMU in the way that they can actually get addicted to internet and digital technology in the way that JD talked to us about. So um, thank you, Wendy, for that distinction. When we talk about addiction, it's companies, let's get straight on this, it's companies that are explicitly using addictive design patterns in order to grow at any cost, even at the cost of trying to ruin the lives of the customers, the users, and their families and their communities, which is just a terrible way to spend your professional life, if you think about it. Um, and sure, maybe they, maybe they make a lot of money, but is that, how is that satisfying if you made your money by destroying other people's lives? I don't get it. Um, I just, I, I don't understand how the tech industry has let itself sink so low that so many people spend so much time and energy trying to destroy the lives of other people for profit. What a shame. But the good news is, friends, that there are good people out there who are offering uh, community and care and healing. Uh, and it's not just the ITAA, but that's the focus for tonight's episode. So thanks to the people of the ITAA, Internet and Technology Addicts Anonymous, for doing what they do. They're at internetaddictsanonymous.org. And um, that's about all the time I have this evening. If you have more comments, you can post them on the comment board, or you can reach me at mark at wfmu.org. And uh, I just want to remind you that you are listening to the greatest radio station in the world, WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope in New York City and Rockland County at 91.9 FM and online at WFMU.org. And I've got some homework for you for next week. I want you to avoid Apple, especially the addictive apps on Apple devices, abandon Amazon, Forget Facebook and whatever you do, and I'm serious, friends, if you can, wherever you can, get off Google. And for the outro this evening, I thought it'd be interesting to play a song from the new album by Decisive Pink, uh, a track called, we won't get to all of it, but uh, much of the track called Dopamine. And by the way, Decisive Pink uh, is a duo, and one half of Decisive Pink is Kate and V, who was Olivia's guest on Radio Ravioli, the show that uh, precedes this one, on May 22nd of this year. So just, uh, just a few weeks ago, and Kate Envy was live in studio. I actually saw her before I, um, before I went in to, to run my own show. So uh, that's a, there's another connection. You can go back in the archives at WFMU.org and listen to Olivia's show. It was, a, it was a great live set. Anyway, please stay tuned for The Great Dave Mandel, and It's Complicated, and... Uh, Friends, have a great week, 
And I'll see you next time, all right? Have a good one. Oh yes, Monday, 7 p.m. means it's time for another episode of It's Complicated. 60 minutes of Prague and Prague adjacent music with me, your host, Dave Mandel. Thanks for joining me. We're going to start tonight's show with a couple of King Crimson tributes. Uh, Erwin Chusid, who most of you probably know, legendary FMU colleague of mine, uh, last week hipped me to a cover version of the King Crimson song Moonchild. Moonchild was a, was a beautiful song that appears, appeared, appears on the first King Crimson album. And a group, turns out that a group called Saffron covered it. Saffron was, not that much seems to be known about them. There was a group of teenage girls in London in the early 70s. Everything I've seen just says early 70s. That's as, that's as precise as it gets. And uh, amateurs, you know, and they just uh, recorded cover versions, recorded versions of current songs that they liked. And the tape somehow survived all these years and re were released as 
as an album, a CD, an album uh, on the Feeding Tube label a year or two ago. And it's really nice. The group's called Saffron, uh, S-A-P-H-R-O-N. The album is called Red Amber. And these recordings were probably never heard by anyone except, you know, their friends and parents or something when they were first recorded. Now they're available for everybody. So one of the songs that they that they do on this album is Moonchild, as I had, as I said, the King Crimson song. So I'm going to play that. And following that, it, it dawned on me as I was listening to this, there's many cover versions of Moonchild. So I'm going to play not many, but I'm going to play one other one after the Saffron version. I'm going to play Moonchild by the group Chrome from a from a, uh, a various artists compilation, a tribute to tribute to King Crimson. I'll tell you more about that later, but here we go. Two versions of King Crimson's Moonchild. Lonely 
Ghost. 